Kickstar Kickstarter, baby. Kickstarter, baby. We are going to kickstart this one tonight because it's a toughie. Um, I, you know, I think the demons are rampant on the internet right now. They're certainly rampant out there in the world. And our prayers are with everyone who's been affected by the shooting in Tennessee, the shooting in Chicago, the shooting. Oh, let's name the places where the demons have wound everyone up to the point where we don't know who's human anymore and who's on whose side, which of course has us thinking in the mosaic arc yet again about scapegoating and Girardian mimetic rivalries. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just the lesson that we have to learn right now. What does it mean to be possessed? We can't promise it's going to be a joyous one tonight, but we promise that it will be thoughtful. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. sober one tonight i i'm, I'm a little mm -hmm. too sober right now but i i i've i i tend to think of what our episode's going to be like the day before and then i have 24 hours to stress <laughs> <laughs> on yes. all of the complexities of what it is that we're trying to unpack and why and um yeah tonight's tonight's a tricky one wednesday panic well, it's mainly because I think of what I I have I have my this this is you know you know my famous three cheers for white men blog post it, it can there there's yes. there's a there's a point at on my walk from home to campus that the thoughts hit I I'm wondering it's like and it's often when I'm going back past the the church that I was confirmed in so maybe there's that <laughs> and I I mean I I always I always thought of it as a sort of distance problem it's like I start walking and about halfway through the the walk it takes me about a half an hour I suddenly know what the next thing is and it was like that with the the three cheers for white men post these these now mm. seven years ago eight years ago um I was walking down to campus Actually, I was teach I was teaching Tolkien, but it, that was 2015, and how can that be? Because that that I thought that was a 2014. Now I'm confused in my own timeline. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so Don't I'll be I'll be the timeline. Oh no, no, the times the demons are the pigs are going to get the timeline. But I'll be walking, and then suddenly yes. it all comes at me in a rush. But because I'm halfway there, mm -hmm. I can't write anything down. 
I can't, <laughs> I'm, I'm mm. just, I'm sort of trapped in my thoughts for another 20 minutes. And um, yeah, so that this one came about that moment. And I'm like, yeah, drug lords and demoniacs. That's tonight's theme. You got the the sudden muse <laughs> to take us into the darkness. <laughs> I'm giggling, but it's awful. It, no, it is. It, it, so we've been talking about this a lot with Draco Alchemicus. When we're, we're, we're guys, we promise there's going to be a Kickstarter. You are going to be asked to support said Kickstarter. Please support our Kickstarter. It's going to be great. There's some yeah. really great rewards that we have figured out. We'll tell you eventually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but also, I mean, the sort of darkness of what we're trying to do with the horror and take you into. I mean, we're in we're in a myth, right? And and we've we've been promising you all along with the mosaic arc that you better get used to being in the pirate story because you're in one. You're in it. You're in it. And I I think I'm I'm in my intro. I was talking about the the Tennessee shooting the the school. Um, some of these things hit more than others about whether or not you're in them. Like at what point are you in them? And this one, I, I think I can talk about it because it's actually all out there on, on, on social media right now. So I'm, I'm talking, I'm teaching my Tolkien course. And one of the things that I always set up at the beginning of the Tolkien course is who is Tom Bombadil? Um, it's, it's a, it's a story frame problem. And you realize that he's actually framing the, the story for the hobbits so that you get inside and he introduces them to the long history of middle earth. And there's, there's singing and a water. And so it's sort of baptismal and it's, it's all very liturgical. I think I, the more I, the, this year when I'm teaching Tolkien, I realize it's all liturgy, right? Everything is always liturgy and you're always with Tolkien. In fact, looking at the altar it's it's never anything else it's you're always because he tells christopher in, in one of the letters that the mass is the great drama it's everything is in the mass um and so you know that what happens for in the bombadil scene as i see it is is i guess it's catechism right it's, it's you're being brought into the story that you need to understand that you're in and the hobbits are about to have a pretty wrenching adventure right i mean you know they have to nearly die in the Barrow Downs to, to get the sword that they're going to use as it turns out to kill the Witch King and so forth. But, uh, and their baptism, I guess, is a kind of, of the, the, this, the storytelling for Tom Bombadil is a kind of baptism and death into the story. So it all works, right? It's all, it's all hyper liturgical. Um, mm -hmm. And I, a few years ago, I was on a podcast with um, a friend of mine, C.R. Wiley, Christopher Wiley, who, we we talked with he and I he had me on his podcast last summer to have Moria Moria Grayland on with us too. We were talking about singing yes. singing with her. She Kickstarter moment did the beautiful music for our our trailer, right? Our heart music, and we're very honored to have Moira as part of this this journey because she's been through a lot. <laughs> Maybe we'll get there with the demons. Anyway, Chris wrote a book about Tom Bombadil. There is a point to all of this. Stick with me. <laughs> and I'm reading, I'm finally getting around guiltily to reading his book on Tom Bombadil because I'm finally back in my cycle of rereading The Lord of the Rings and thinking about these things. So it's the right moment. And I'm reading the book about Tom Bombadil. He's talking about the singing and he's talking about his understanding of 
what what Bombadil does. And he told me that, oh, he doesn't quite agree with me, but you know, that's okay. And I'm like, that's fine. So I'm reading along and I get to this part where he's talking about Tom as a storyteller. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I have an idea about that. <laughs> and there are my eyes yeah. at the bottom of the page and it looks up to the top of the page and, oh, look, I'm in the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in his book. He says, my friend, the medievalist, Rachel Fulton Brown, has this theory of the storytelling and the baptism. And I'd forgotten that I told him about the baptism and I'd forgotten that myself. And here I was in his book telling myself the thing that I didn't remember that I, I was, you know. It's like when people write letters to themselves. And, and you're tying the future self, the, the future self, the time traveling. Okay, so this is interesting because I had, you know, I've been in intermittent touch with with Chris. Chris actually, um, I met him at a conference some years ago at the Touchstone Conference. Um, you all will know that Milo actually attended that conference with me. He social media out at the social media he had at that point. I think it was an Instagram post. Um, and, um, he, he asked a question at the end of the video when I gave my talk there. So it's like on record that he was actually there. We could prove it, got the receipts anyway. So, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of layers here, right? Therefore it was very hard <clears throat> to see Chris's Facebook the next morning on March 27th. His son teaches at that school mm. where there was the shooting. And then you realize everybody on social media right now, I mean, our world of the social media is all about all oh, how it was, you know, fake and it didn't happen. And the Miles Mathis committee is suggesting that it's all, you know, his son was there yes. and he of course knows the fam the families that have lost the children. Mm. And then I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't, sorry, I keep weeping on these streams. I couldn't then continue to read all of the discussion about what happened yes. in Tennessee and the Christians they're coming. It's like, you know, Lauren Witzke and hers is all, they hate you and they're coming after you. And the, the, you know, Tucker Carlson saying whatever he says and the, this and the, that, and you realize you're in the story. Mm. Whatever's fake out there and whatever the demons are playing with us and whatever illusions they're casting. Children die every weekend in Chicago from shootings. Yeah. So then I had to start thinking as I'm walking through Chicago on my way to campus, as usual, what is this? What are, what story are we in? Brought everybody down far enough now. <laughs> I think it's just a, uh, it's important because everyone gets into the habit of saying that everything's fake. Mm -hmm. We're living in a kind of computer generated experience of reality now because we're seeing everything through screens. Yep. So it's very difficult to see real and imagine things and until you know someone like you, you do who's experienced something like this. It's um, it's easy to fall on the, I don't know how you would describe it. Well, kind of pri primal reactions to things instead of um, personal ones. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we make stories about them. I mean, Tolkien went through mm. the wars with his friends and lost two of them yes. with the Somme, and then he wrote the stories. So we're, we're there. But we're also with the problem, the stories come from somewhere real and mm. horrifying. Yes. That's how, well, we're doing this with Draco Alchemicus, but the, the idea is to put the horror into fairy tale format so that it can be understood properly. What Tolkien did with the war, right. um, mythologizing it and putting it into fairy so that it can be properly understood. Because otherwise it's just a retelling of trauma. You know, you could write it in a completely non-fictional narrative and it, it, it would not have the same effect because there's no fairy. So all it would have been was Tolkien sitting down to write the memoirs of his own trauma with no Uh, no true catharsis uh, would have been a kind of uh, cold mirror of the experience. Well, what's interesting, I can calm down and come into scholarly mode about it, which is hard, um, is that Gerard is saying that, in fact, the myths hide it. And that that's that that that's why he's saying. So Casey is saying now we're in the story of redemption because Christ had to redeem us from the thing we're doing right now. That's well said. Yes, that we're in it. And and this this is one of the things that's come up in our Drake Alchemicus discussion of the, among the poets is talking about the way Christ is seeing all of this through us, always. Yes. Right? He's have he's in here with us, seeing it all. There's, um, we're going to show you some comics that our artist for Drake Alchemicus did from his own series, his Catholic comics. And I, whereas one of them that you really should look at for, we'll talk about maybe that the next week, or maybe John Henry Newman's meditation on what Christ saw in Gethsemane, which was all hmm. our sins. He, he wept because he was carrying all of them. Hmm. Um, but what Gerard says with the, the mythology, and it's like, it's interesting that Tolkien had to put it into myth, had to put it into this story that Dom Bombadil has to bring the hobbits into the horror. Um, that Tolkien's actually Christian in his telling, so he shows the horror in the story. Whereas Gerard says in the pagan stories, they disguise it. They disguise what's no. actually happened. Like Oedipus, right? We've talked about that. How Sanitizing right. it. Mm. Because the true horror is that we did it. Mm. And that we is very, very definite. We, the collective, the community, the human the human group did it. Mm. And therefore that there's no way out of it except through the cross and obviously that's that's one of the things that you and I have prayed into from our own different directions but that we're trying to help people understand why we see it 
why you know it's like it's very easy to say you know we need the cross we need christ and all you know the the, the fact that the the shooting that's on everyone's mind in our neck of the internet right now is at what was you know christian school saying christians mm-hmm. you need to i was reading uh one of enter iskar's i think it's iskar's um gab blog it's about you know christians you need now to be prepared and stuff like it's like one you should have been all along <laughs> because this is not new um in ways we hopefully will unpack this evening but um that it's, yes. it's also the wrong response it's, it's quite frankly the wrong response christian nationalism is not the way to describe what it is we're trying to show you here I mean, we say nations and ethnicity and culture, and we want the culture of the the fullness of the Catholic world. But the, yes. the sort of military banner use of the of the cross is, I you know, the more I, we've been talking about it, the more I realize how fundamentally wrong that is. Yeah, well, it's Christianity under the printing press, or. Uh... It's a factory look. It's a factory mindset, because I've I've talked about this a lot. But like King Freddie and Prussia and the unification of the Prussian states, and then Germany moving into this hyper nationalistic mode where everybody got brought into the schools. Mm-hmm. You know, their education system was a part of that similar model to the, the ancient Spartan education system, where they took. Um, they took children for training. I mean, the Athenians did it as well. But the idea is, okay, well, what were they they were training for wasn't for connection with their creator. It was a statecraft exercise. And it's interesting to veer off onto this topic, but as a, uh, as a non-American looking at the American situation, you guys have been having school shootings for quite some time when i was younger the the um the columbine high school shooting happened and we were looking at it from across the pond and of course um the liberals were arguing about gun control and everything etc and then of course marilyn manson went through his massive media um firewall because uh they were blaming his music on creating the school shootings and the whole goth subculture was blamed for the violence so um but the i guess what i'm saying is that part of the part of the thing that i have seen for a long time is that the schooling environment itself is dehumanizing children to the point where they're getting into a mode of militarism in this uh, space Mm. uh, where from our perspective uh, it's it's educational but it means two different things depending on the kind of education that we're talking about when I speak with you, I, I hear and recognize the medieval vision of connecting to the, to the spiritual expression and the fullness of, um, Christic thinking, but these kinds of environments that these children are in are not 
purpose built for this, even if they're um, claiming to be Christian schools. I mean, the environments are, uh, they've become so hyper industrialized that uh, it wouldn't have an effect over maybe one generation, but this is kind of a generational um, development. I'm not blaming the school for the violence. I'm just saying in the context, like the environment itself, I can't identify the orientation of this environment. Mm. There are no crucifixes on the walls. There is no, you know, there's no altar in this environment. So there is a lot of, uh, social engineering on the other hand and um a lot of young people that have been subjected to an enormous amount of social engineering and perhaps not uh a lot of liturgical uh practices right so well it's definitely industrial i was thinking about that in in, in the context yeah. of teachers unions <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're unionized like factory workers exactly they are <laughs> yeah. and and they certainly we have a we have the mayoral runoff election in chicago here and it's it's kind of between two it's one this the, the the former head of the school system and the head of the teachers union <laughs> it's like, well that tells you everything i mean it's like our yeah. school i mean in chicago the school system is the major political football because it's yes. it's obviously the major place of control that the state has or that the city has to exercise over its population it's citizen manufacturing facilities oh and they've been completely blunt about that yeah. all along i mean since american public yeah. schools started just over 100 years ago it's always been you yeah. know like, and and you realize that that's the we're now we're veering off we're doing it again we're veering off our our planned topic but there you go um that you know when the conservative politically conservative argument is always you know we should have our schools making good citizens it's like you know i think the schools are doing exactly what you set them up to do <laughs> yes. which is not is not training in souls soul craft but in you know the kind of political actors that you want right we that that we had a lot of practice we get i mean it's been a long time since i was in school obviously but you know the in the 80s in the 70s and 80s we'd have you know you practice in things like student government elections and you certainly practice in terms of taking sides arbitrarily for sport team uh competitions and things like that so there's there's both the branding which is fun in school context right we're sandies yeah i was on the swim team we were dust devils so we were mud devils no wait <laughs> well guess to the devils in the mud right um that I I I I didn't mean to think about the school system a lot. Maybe we should do one on on the school, do a meditation on the schools specifically. But I do think that obviously we've been socialized into something in particular in public schooling over the last um, hundred years. But I mean, this is the the the, the problem with this shooting in the context that we have here is what it, it's okay standard school structure in terms of buildings and classes and su and such and so forth. But it was outside of the public system. It's actually a private Christian school. Yes. Yes. 
They follow this. They follow similar models, mm. though. But the the reason why I veered off onto that tangent is because you mentioned the Christian nationalism element. Right. I don't. I don't really. I'm not sure yet if people understand that the nationalism, which is the that 19th century kind of model of nationalism, requires enormous amounts of social engineering. It requires right. these environments to pump out specific kinds of citizenry or specific kinds of people that are going to identify as the national. Right, yes. And this is not going to fix the demonic. So... Mm -hmm. We're not um, input-output machines. I think this is my way of uniting this kind of odd sort of <laughs> we have tangent a, maybe, with our main maybe, conversation. Maybe I should do a reading, right? It's like I, 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 yeah. I, I tend to, to, you know, I anchor myself in class with readings, and I'll, I'll anchor us in a reading. We have we have an illustrated reading um, tonight. Uh, the the lesson is it's moderately long, and I'm going to read the whole thing because you know it helps to anchor us in story which is what Tom Bombadil does. I'm going to do a Tom Bombadil for you all and, and read you into this particular story. And therefore the one that I was in fact meditating on, because this story kept appearing to me in various guises and, and um, Kiltz and I have learned to pay attention to that kind of thing <laughs> as a clue to, you know, the mosaic, either, you know, the pieces are starting to come together and we start noticing them or, you know, the spirits hopefully showing us things and we're paying attention to the doves. Um, and uh, then we will unpack it for you in, in the terms that we started seeing it this week. So, uh, and the artwork that you're going to see through this, this particular narration is uh, Zenu Nofraga, who is our magnificent Catholic comics artist for Draco Alchemicus. He's, he's doing custom designs for us in our poetry illustration, um, but these are his own uh, renderings of various stories that we need to think upon in our um, sin and confession. Anyway, it is the uh, Gerizim demoniac, and the, the the version I'm going to read is Mark's chapter five, um, partly because this is it's the fullest one, and it's also the one Gerard uses in the scapegoat to explain the mechanism of everything that's going on. And they came over the strait of the sea into the country of the Gerasians. Gerasians, sorry. And as he went out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the monuments, a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling in the tombs and no man could now could bind him, not even with chains. For having been often bound with fetters and chains, he had burst the chains and broken the fetters in pieces, and no one could tame him. And he was always day and night in the monuments and in the mountains, crying and cutting himself with stones. And seeing Jesus afar off, he ran and adored him. And crying with a loud voice, he said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God 
that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, that's Jesus, get out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he saith to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not drive him away out of the country. And there was near the mountain a great herd of swine feeding. And the spirits besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And Jesus immediately gave them leave, and the unclean spirits going out entered into the swine, and the herd with great violence was carried headlong into the sea, being about 2,000, and were stifled in the sea. And they that fed them fled and told it in the city and in the fields, and they went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus, and they see him that was troubled with the devil, sitting clothed and well in his wits. And they were afraid. And they that had seen it told them in what manner he had been dealt with who had the devil, and concerning the swine. And they, as the people of the region, began to pray him, that is Jesus, that he would depart from their coasts. And when he went up into the ship, he that had been troubled with the devil began to beseech him that he might be with him. And he, that's Jesus, admitted him not, but saith to him, Go into thy house and to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had mercy on thee. And he, that's the former demoniac, went his way, began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men wondered. Never a good deed unpunished. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot in that. And of course, I also have my my Gerard to, Gerard to, 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 to meditate on, but there's, I mean, there's, Gerard has this, he has this wonderful way of saying, he says um, that the gospel stories reveal a religious origin that must remain hidden if mythology and ritual are to be the result. That the, the gospel mm. stories, and he uses this one in, as a, the main example, or one of his main examples, the crucifixion is obviously a bigger one. Um, but that he's saying over and over and over in the gospels, what you have is our revelations of the things that have been previously hidden. Gerard will write a whole book called Things Hidden Since the Foundation of the World, that Jesus's miracles are actually revealing the things that previously the storytellers always disguised. Um, and they disguise them in various ways. And, you know, the classical pagan mythologies that it sounds like, oh, the gods do this and the gods do that. And, you know, the mm. uh, gods are dismembered and their pieces are sent around the country and it makes the land and things like that. And Gerard in his project is all saying, these are all actually the same story over and over and over again, but it's only in the gospels that you get them shown for what they actually are. Hmm. 
which is interesting. This is almost like the only way we can handle pure reality is if Christ is with us. Yes. The, which makes sense. This is why I was thinking, it's like, so Tolkien thinks of himself as writing myth, that he's writing, he, he we're going to have this whole meditation on history is you remembering back through the records into the time when the stories are in this sort of reality, right? They become more real the further mm -hmm. back in time they go, which Gerard would agree with. But for Gerard, it, he's saying the, the myths are actually, they're real and they have the anchor to reality that grounds civilization, but they're real mm -hmm. in the disguising the thing that civilization actually depends on. So, the image of the carnival just pops into my mind. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so people need the masks on their on their myths. Oh yeah, big time. Civili civilization needs the mask on its myth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what's behind the mask? <laughs> <laughs> quite quite a horror story always yeah and, and that and so that is i mean gerard's so we i mean we've been building up to this and building up to this and then we get one of these shootings that captures everybody's attention i mean i i re remind you all that we have these kinds of shootings regularly in chicago um and regularly in other parts of the the, the country and regularly in other parts of the world that when Gerard's talking about this kind of this kind of violence that found cities it's every city um and what I the first meditation I'm having on the way people are reacting to the particular Tennessee school shooting is how collectively and collectively is a very important word there market <laughs> how collectively everybody is trying to figure out who to blame Mm. the grand search for the ultimate scapegoat <laughs> well but instead of instead of looking for the scapegoat look at the way this is, so this is what i've been meditating on it's like so in our country and i was thinking i was actually thinking the other day that that i put myself out on a limb as i unfortunately want to do because i keep seeing this stuff and then i have to say it Thanks so much. Mm. <clears throat> I I am I do have prayers to thank you, God, for the work that you're giving us. And sometimes I'm like, please don't make me say this. It's just <laughs> gonna get me in trouble again. Okay, the Christchurch Christ Church shooting. Oh, in yeah, New Zealand, yeah. right? And yeah. and you know, you have one of these the, they're media events in the sense that, that we have shootings or murders or deaths constantly, right? And you know the domestic mm. violence stuff that the police have to deal with on a daily basis is is horrible, right? Um, but every so often there will be one of these media mo media events that suddenly everybody gets to talk about, and and then the conversation will repeat, right? There is a kind of ritual character to the the conversations yes. that happen, and everybody says, "Don't politicize it," and then they politicize it in exactly <laughs> identical ways. Um, and it's mm. it's and it's it's what I've been thinking about thanks to Gerard is the way the social conversation it I mean it is ritualized in the sense that there there's there choruses of you know there'll be the the Tucker Carlson chorus of, of one thing that you say and then there'll be the the 
um, I would say SJW or Democrat or, you know, the other side chorus. And then they'll just, they'll sing at each other like twin, you know, twin sides in the Greek chorus mm -hmm. claiming that, you know, that this great tragedy that's just happened in front of me is a, um, Pentheus's mother, is that the right character in, in, in the Bacchae, sitting there with his head in their lap, in their lap. And they're saying, and we can oh. sing about this because Harl, dreadful, you know, that craziness isn't us. It's her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no one sees the head in their own laps. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I had two flashes there because um, we don't we don't do this as overtly now. Where uh, in parts of the old world they'll say, "Oh, there's the witch." You know, there'll be witch. There'll be a witch hunt. Right. So I'll. So there were there were a couple of stories in East Africa of some weird things happening. Uh, like mega liters of water just disappearing from water tanks overnight with not a drop spilt on the ground type weird things that would go on. Um, and weird stuff happens like that all the time. And usually locals will be like, okay, there's a, there's a witch involved in there, which is either, you know, male or female, but there's just some kind of supernatural explanation for this, or you've got, demons entering your water tanks and taking out all the water mm. and the the expats that are there they always laugh at locals and say oh you know they're just so stupid and uneducated and superstitious but they can't explain where the water goes <laughs> <laughs> so they're left scratching their heads being rational but having no explanation mm. and everyone else is saying well we told you what happened you won't believe us but there is this attempt at blame and it's usually shifted on the 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 mysterious uh witch or wizard who's been uh messing around with the water tank or something mm. so there's many such cases well the west doesn't do it as overtly it's not willing to say oh if there's a witch obviously causing all of this chaos this panic uh this this violence it's uh clouds the same superstition in different vocabulary see i think the current term is transgender mm -hmm. <laughs> um and right <laughs> and yeah and, and the thing is it's so yeah. I mean, it's like they've been invented to be scapegoats they've been designed these 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 poor yeah. people who are suffering a variety of i mean traumas or struggles or something right they're they're being set up to be scapegoats and i think they're being set up to be scapegoats on both sides guys you're not innocent mm. in all of this christ is the one that's innocent not the rest of you mm. or me or her or any of us right um no. and the and that i mean that's always the tempt so the temptation the instantaneous temptation in all of this i mean the children who were murdered on monday are 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 innocent right these those little nine-year-olds it's it's mm. terrible um you know that you you start we are in a christian context the you know trained to look for the innocents in 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 the ones who died but the problem is 
the the woman who did the shooting who had been a student at that school who is you know now dead because the the police shot her um it's part it's it's like it's very hard to say all this without ending up saying so you're trying to excuse no we're trying to show the horror of the way that this is being played out for us over and over and over again. I mean, it's like Kilto's talking about the schools and the way we set the schools up and the way we set our children up. Well, the other thing that's happening to our children in those schools is they're being drugged. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not, you don't get, I mean, certainly, I mean, this was a woman who, who did the shooting on Monday, but the, you know, the young men who have been involved in, in shoot ups in the last decade. So you're talking about Columbine, right? That was two men. Yes. Um, you know, yes. that the, the only way you can get men to sit still in these kinds of, of factory schooling environments with not giving them enough like athletics and actual challenge and who knows what else is to drug them. Right. So we've, mm -hmm. we've drugged our children to sit still and all behave like good little girls. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's, there is, it's, it's a, it's a testament to the sickness of the whole community, what happened on Monday. And yes, the reality of the sickness of the whole community is something that all, some, you know, we can see parts of it. It's like, I'm going to be able to see this part of it here. And then, and then other people say, well, you're not really looking at the horror of all the, that gun ownership. And then we will, you know, the political right or the second amendment people will say, well, you're not looking at the horror of what kind of political tyranny could happen here. And, and then, you know, another portion of it, it's like everybody sees like little fragments of yes. the, the horror, but the community itself cannot face it. Mm -hmm. Is Gerard's insight. Well, looking at it through that lens, there a lot of things had to happen before that person entered a school with a gun. Like the thousands of moments where that particular individual needed to be loved properly and wasn't loved properly, put them in a situation where they were, they were uh, set up in whatever way you want to say it, for lack of a better word, set up um, to do that. Because the, you know, like I'll, I'm just going to stay in Africa about this because this is a this is the kind of thing that, like, I left the West and came back, and this was all starting to happen to a level that it it, it didn't exist when I left. Mm. I left one version of Western civilization, and I came back, and it was like the whole place had had some kind of strange factory upgrade, like in a bad Apple product. <laughs> Well, a lot Where of it's the was, drugs for real. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, it was like I was on a different drug. Everyone else is on a different drug. You know, you're if you're at a yes. Party, well, we could say, can you have civilization without the drugs either? So that is kind of our theme in Draco Chemicus. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> but I was like, what are you guys on? <laughs> what the fuck? You know, um, you you really you really dosed up. Like, what is happening? And then, uh, so. Like from the perspective of coming back in here, there's a lot of conversations that are being have, had young people now about about them having these kinds of issues. Now, I get accused all the time of being too masculine. You know, it's a long. I'm, I, this has a point. I won't just talk about myself, but you know, I've got this like anecdote that needs to come out. I always get too accused of being too too masculine. It's it's been like a long-standing theme for a very long time, but. Um, 
that didn't happen in Africa because there people are tough. Mm. So I just look normal. So it's only in this context that I feel like I'm, I don't fit properly and I'm not feminine enough. Whereas over there, I'm perfectly feminine enough for everybody. They just understand like, this is the way the world works. You behave in a certain way here in a certain context, etc. So the kind of weird, I don't know if you'd call it a dysphoria, but this kind of uh, gender non-conforming behavior that I had was suddenly very contextually appropriate. And so I look at the difference of this kind of like factory model of, 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 uh, of building building the citizen or the, the factory model of building the, the particular um, person that came out of that environment to, to commit this horrible crime. And I look at all, all the checkpoints along the manufacturing line. At what point they were having the same problem I was having, mm. which is I don't feel right. I don't feel like I'm in the right body. I don't think like a woman. Should I have been a man? And this, you know, I'm probably getting too personal here, but this was a serious thought process for a little while for me where I thought, mm, I don't really know why I was born female. It was corrected by being put into a different environment and being around people that respected tough women, really, really gave a lot of respect to tough women mm. and had a sense of humor about eccentric behaviors in a way that Westerners that I was with didn't really have. So I'm making gross general statements here, but if someone is around a lot of people that are not accepting of eccentrics, they're going to spiral in a, in, a, in a way that is not good for them but then if they're around people that are not willing to love them through that eccentricity correctly and to kind of accept them but also not let them destroy themselves it's like love deficiency equals this horrendous development of uh i don't know they're the demonic influence is able to cultivate in them without any resistance whatsoever. Cause nobody's no, nobody's saying, look, God made you what you are. You are what you are, but you, you know, so. Well, I think we need to, I, it's, hard, it's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to talk about this. Like, yeah. I'm going, I'm going back through Zay's pictures. The problem is the demoniac story is from 2000 years ago. So it's, I think, I mean, it, 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 to a certain extent behooves us to think about what our present conditions are like, mm. but then this is at the mythological level to say, well, wait a minute, then why are there these stories that actually match all of this? Mm. Um, and that I would say, it's like, was the, demo was the demoniac not loved enough, which is, um, uh, yeah. Can can we think about can we think about this a little differently? Maybe. I don't mean it in the kind of strawberries and butterflies way. I mean in the sense that, like, 
I mean, there's a liturgical answer to say we've never been loved enough because we've turned from God. Yes. Um, but there's the, the, um, I, the reason I, so I keep, I, I was thinking it, it one, Zay did this series, this comic on his own without our saying anything to him. So it just came out. Right. And then Gerard has the, the scapegoat reading of it. And then I was also, we'd have a, a weird um, sort of all these synchronicities, right. That I was asked to do a blurb for a book that um, Anthony Eselin whom I met at the same conference that I met Chris Riley at. So it's like all coming together um, that Anthony Eastland had, had translated by Ricardo Bacchelli. Uh, it's called the gaze of Jesus. And it's in fact about this demoniac. It's like the entire novel is the, the experience of the demoniac after Jesus heals him. <laughs> um, and you know, th there's this, this problem that I forgot where I was going. Uh, Okay, I totally forgot where I was going, but there, but some of some of this is, you know, we have the, novels like this try to like psychologize and historicize the experience mm -hmm. of the the story, the person in the story, and what I say to my blurb, um, Kelly takes us on a wrenching psychological quest, which is true, right? Because he's 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 trying to give you the interior experience of the demoniac after he's healed, so he he gives mm -hmm. him a name. Um, it's uh, and I forgot what its name is. <laughs> Ithamar, Ithamar, um, and um, he, he gives Ithamar a story, right? And so from his interior, um, laying bare the reality of sin, a philosophical mm -hmm. meditation on the desire for Christ seen through the eyes of spurned love and pride, which I was therefore thinking mm -hmm. of because you were, ta you were talking just now about, you know, someone who hasn't been loved well enough what do we mean by that? And then, you know, the sort of horror of our situation as human beings of not feeling loved, not being like, as I understand it, the woman who did the shooting grew up in the Christian family I mean, she'd gone to that school. So she was, this is the, 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 the one scapegoating mechanism will be to blame the Christians, right? We're going to blame the Christians for all mm -hmm. being hateful because they're not accepting of, um, you know, what you were talking about people's differences in eccentricity. Um, and then, you know, on the other hand though, there's the effort to blame the, 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 the transgender activist um, community for being so hateful because they're, they're sort of trying to force people into accepting them. Uh, and if, if only we would accept them all, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't go on shooting rampages. Wait, I'm not sure we're allowed to say that one. <laughs> And, 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 and the thing is what, what, you know, the healing in the story, at least of the Gerizim demoniac is, well, it's not new, <laughs> um, this, mm. this tension, and maybe there is something in the story that at least shows you what we're, shows us what we're grappling with, what we're wrestling with, which is Gerard's effort to show us. Christ loved the demoniac. So, but th this is this is what's interesting about. So, let, let me give you what Gerard says about the story, and and see what we. Uh, you know, I read it really slowly because I wanted to make sure to unpack it. That one of the things that's interesting, and Zay shows this in his drawings, that the demoniac is living in the tombs. So, Gerard says this. This he's dead, right? He's living in the tombs. He's mm -hmm. kind of undead to the community. So he's outside of the city, living in the place for the dead. 
and very significantly cutting himself with stones. He's mm. basically stoning himself that, and, and, and this, mm. this, so I, you know, I, <laughs> what a, yeah, yeah. You know, oh my goodness. Gerard's a very yeah. good reader of scripture. Cause you're like, whoa, I didn't notice that little detail that suddenly highly significant. Um, that, 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 you know, breaks his chains and fetters and everything. So they're trying to bind him and, and make him, you know, sort of like not, but it's like, if they binding him, he, if they, if he breaks his fetters, he hurts himself because he's um, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now in, in, in this mm -hmm. context, Gerard is saying what should happen to the scapegoat is he gets stoned because it's a collective death, right? Collective is always going to be significant here that, that the, the the way that you get rid of a scapegoat is do something so that like a shooting uh, um, a firing squad or something, right? You, you use something mm -hmm. so no one person can feel the blame of being the killer. The collective has to a mass mass ritual murder exactly. And mm -hmm. and so here the demoniac is already dead stoning himself right as if and 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 Gerard says this is very important for the scapegoat um you in mythology mythological terms that the scapegoat takes it on himself as the it's right that he's killed hmm. I, 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 yeah mm. okay so that that um and so when jesus comes he goes um the way zay's drawn it's like the 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 man is drawn towards Jesus in the light, but um, the demons inside of him are speaking in red. In the yeah, ironically, because mm. in my Bible the Jesus speaks in red. Um, that the the demons are saying, you know, stay away from us, go away. We, you know, what do you have to do with us? And Jesus says to him, go out and ask his name. And everyone's always, you know, this this I am Legion is often invoked in the, mm. the political conversations now. That you know, these people who are raving out there in the public sphere doing their screaming at the sky and their chants and their i mean we've seen a lot of like demoniac level uh behavior yes. in in our political performances in the last several years and the the you know this it, it's a it's a kind of joke not joke to say they're demons right um here with um what Gerard points out is when he says he's legion for my name is many, um, you know, the wrestling personalities, if you will, but it's also, he's been, he's been like occupied. It's a whole army inside him. The mm -hmm. army is taken over. Um, and the, and the, the, the legion, the army says, send us not out of that country. So there's something about Gerard saying, there's something about the, these demons need to belong to that land and they don't want to be sent away from the, so he sends them into the pigs instead. And then the pigs collectively kill themselves because they um, they 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 squee right in in the picture, and they um, run themselves off the cliff, which is another method of mass murder. Um, that that mm -hmm. you the scapegoat in the the, the Leviticus ritual, so Deuteronomy or Leviticus, I forgot. Um, is is sent out into the wilderness um and common. if if it, if it didn't die they they run it off a cliff right so it's like the mm -hmm. the buffalo being pushed off the cliffs in in this country or um you know some way that that and, and what but what what the, the swine do in this story is because they're filled with the demons now they um and of course gerardian terms mimetically uh 
dry themselves, the contagion spreads, so they all panic and run off and die. Um, um, there was another thought that I had there. Uh, you know, he says, he, says, he says things like, the demons possess each other reciprocally. Oh, yes, they're now a herd. They're behaving like people do when they're contagious, cont mimetically um, infected with the fear. Mm. It's all in this story. <laughs> Herd, herd mentality the herd, totally the herd mentality right and then oh. and then okay so in in zay's happy version of things the the demoniac is happy and the people are happy but in 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 mark and gerard points this out the people of the region tell jesus to leave <laughs> right they don't sit there and say oh this is great lord lord you've saved us all from this terrible they wanted the demoniac living there in the tombs cutting himself that's so messed oh, up yeah. because as long as they had that demoniac there in the tombs cutting himself they were innocent they they had been able to collectively put everything on him they don't mm. actually want their demoniac healed. He was the witch emptying the water tanks. Yeah. But 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 the yeah. mechanism the problem with the mechanism is here, and this is what Gerard, you know, I haven't read this place where he explains it properly, so I still don't know what he's doing, but um saying that because first you hate the scapegoat and then you revere him because he actually takes away this collective guilt. If you can mm. throw it all on the demoniac, and and you know either you know the, the 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 swine do it to themselves, but the people do it to themselves too. The sort of contagion of of um, rivalry and 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 such. That if they can throw it onto the demoniac, then it's it's like th th they can carry on being a town. The demoniac's out there in the tombs. He's dead, and and they can leave him mm -hmm. being crazy. Oh, well, we've been doing this for ages. Yep. <laughs> we did it with the junkies. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we did it with junkies. We, and, you know, it's like it, it, it seems really tidy to send the pigs out over the cliff, but we've done it over and over and over again with our social legislation <laughs> over the last several decades. When you said it's like suddenly you came back and it's all different. I mean, what, what kinds of things have been changing? And one, we got a lot more drugs. Mm. COVID, COVID stuff was just the, like icing. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, a lot more drugs and a lot less, a lot less joy. We entered a really bad mode of the trip. Mm. Um, no, but we've been doing this with, with junkies for a long time. So I was saying, and I, I was saying this last week too, when we were describing the Aztec human sacrifices, and I said that this sounds like opioid addiction. It sounds like junkie behavior. Right. Because since we've been discussing Gerardi and mimetic rivalry together, it's resonated with me uh, with the, um, I think my stomach's grumbling. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really loud. Um, it's resonated with me uh, thinking about how, thinking about the behavior of um, hardcore opioid addicts and heroin addicts, and also the treatment that 
junkies received when the zero to tolerance policies were were everywhere um, because they're behaving they were behaving exactly the same as this uh, demoniac who was running amongst the tombs mm. um, living in the fringes of society outside the city where the tombs yep. are basically the living dead they do look like skeletons after a while and um they're cutting themselves only they're not using rocks they're using uh rocks post metallurgy in the form of syringes to cut themselves and to cut their arms yeah um so the behavior is the same and it's a repetitive thing over and over and over again um stoning themselves in this way um yeah and the community the community so this has been my big problem with conservatives it's still my big problem with conservatives because the discussion over the drug addiction problem is always oh we need to completely criminalize the addicts these you know there's there's never a discussion on the difference between the supply chain of the actual chemicals and the addicts themselves who are human beings. Mm. And there is always a story behind most of the junkies that ended up in the state that they were in. And usually none of the prohibitive drug policies did anything to dissuade them from taking their drugs. It just made the process more complicated. It made it more complicated, it encouraged criminality, and it actually ostracized them from being able to come back inside the city. It kept them in the mm -hmm. tombs, kept them running around outside, cutting themselves. Right. Now, if you have seen someone who has been living like this, which I have, <laughs> and then you talk to normies, um, unfortunately i have to say this but the good christian normies that are very polite and respectable people and have good jobs and would never even smoke pot you know so you like if you if you've seen people that are in this state and then like me i kind of talk to people that are that are in the straight world and how they describe addicts well they're doing to them exactly what was done to this demoniac they're not healing them they don't want them around normal society though they want to but keep they, them but out the thing there is they want that the, the, what gerard understood from reading his reading of the story is that they needed the demoniac out there in the tombs they, they actually mm. were not happy with jesus healing him well it's it's an easy way of increasing your social status by being able to re refer to someone who's supposedly far more evil than you to say oh well, at least i'm not that right. guy at least i'm not a junkie well it's so it's i i'm maybe i'm at, the force of what gerard is saying i'm not communicating yet um that it's 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 not just that it's the okay so earlier i said something we collectively are responsible for all of this right we now i've mm -hmm. forgotten her name in the Bacchae, she has his head in her lap, right? 
Um, and mm-hmm. and and the point in the Baka is the you know the women go nuts and kill the king and tear him to pieces and including his mother, and that um, you know in a certain sense the god is part of that murder, and it's the murder mm-hmm. itself that collectively founds the community. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that you know there's a and and this. What's interesting is in a lot of our political conversation now, many of these insights then get like pharisized, right? That they they get turned into pharisaical dicta that then you must live by kind of thing Mm -hmm. rather than the mythological, like put it on, recognize it, recognize Mm -hmm. yourself in it. No, you don't get to be pure standing over there saying your prayer is better because you're not that like that sinner. It's like. No, you, <laughs> to continually the publican strike again. Yeah, to continually do like Don Bombadil did with the hobbits and show your, you know, show how you're in that story, um, and mm. and you know, understand ourselves as Christians within this story as sinners, not as you know, we live well and we're you know we're a good Christian family because we do these things right. It's somehow and and this is and again it's the opposite side of saying and god loved us so much that he suffers through all of this with us it's it's very hard to keep hold of the 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 cross in one's meditations on this where you get you get to the point you're saying what i just want to be safe from all of this christ please save me which Mm -hmm. is sort of the point of the book the the gaze of jesus um that I mean, I'd say hold off on telling you that one, but the, what Gerard is Gerard saying in the, in the, um, he's come after Peter's denial in it too. Um, so the, the reason that the, the demons are legion is that they are the mob, right? And, and, and he's saying, um, this is Gene Starobinsky who Gerard is quoting, but the word legion indicates the warlike mob, the hostile troop, the occupying army, the Roman invader, and perhaps even those who crucified Christ. Um, the healing is portrayed as a single combat between Jesus and the demon, but then there's a crowd. It's like the, 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 the fact that it's legion shows you the mystery here, right? The mob is going to kill Jesus. There's this, 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 this collective, mm. right? And then that the, um, the whole problem of, the execution is always uh, how you how you like translate the desire for vengeance into something that can stabilize the state, and it's a collective, right? You can have this collective um, recognition. But okay, so in a crisis of mimetic conflict. The polarization on a single victim can become so powerful that all members of the group are forced to participate in his murder. Mm. This is what I keep seeing. This is why I'm so fascinated by Gerard. I keep seeing, we live in this, where our society is so polarized now. But, and then there was this other meditation I saw this morning on how everything's also all the same, right? All the Instagram models look the same. All the cities look the oh, same. All yeah, the Airbnb yeah, yeah. rooms look the same. The whole world has become sameness, but it's all polarized. And it's like, yeah, Gerard predicted all of this. <laughs> mm. It's like the the left wing and the right wing, the two wings of the same bird kind of thing. It's the polarization is actually a twinning. It's a ref, you know mimetic rivalry reflecting, so that when you get one of these murders. We, we respond collectively all to figure out how the scapegoat was to blame 
and and I I see that now. It's like it's it's the gun rights versus the gun grabbers. It's the you know it's the 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 trans activists versus the Christian activists. It's one way or another. We're polarized, and the collective participates in it somehow. So that you know, as we talked mm. about with the George Floyd, you know, the, 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 everybody watched that participated in that moment. All of these murders that we're collectively drawn into watch, we are participating in. Which they've just done. Like I was on Instagram scrolling, and all of a sudden, some account had posted a security camera footage from the the murder of, of the, the girl of the woman yeah. of the girl. Mm. Right. Um, which I didn't want to see. I didn't, you know, it just, it's in the feed. And then suddenly, there, uh, now you've all collectively participated in. Now the, I'm yeah. here. In a, yeah. 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 And then, in, and then it's, you know, it, it's okay. So, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theorist version of all of these, which not, it, no. <laughs> the timeline, you know, keeps shortening between conspiracy theory and predict, you know, yesterday's news, but um, yeah, certainly there could be state actors involved in setting up some of these situations, but the, the collective social exercise and right, the, you know, the Romans in their situation in Palestine and Jesus's lifetime are constantly setting up situations that are creating this sort of yes. quote stabilization. It's like, that's how he ended up crucified. <laughs> um, <laughs> Watch Cleopatra over the weekend because Milo was watching it. And I mean, that's actually a really good representation of how bloody awful that period was. Don't want to be pagan. It's ruthless and brutal. Uh, and, you know, collective. <laughs> a lot of killing. A lot of oh killing. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, it's society of... organized on, you know, gladiatorial combats, which are basically collective murder. You're watching the, you know, the murder of people mm. in the. With popcorn. With popcorn. Mm. Yeah. So okay, so I, I'm I'm thinking of a few things. So we have the we have the participation in the ritual by its broadcast, and then people looking at the image or looking at the footage, and then having the collective participate in it by having it broadcast. Right. So the other issue is that the the demoniac is taking on the role of stripping the community of its own guilt each individual in the community right. throws off the guilt and then it, it's in the demoniac who's full of legion who in this way essentially the legion is the community right itself inside that demoniac the chatter of this entire collective of people and all of their sh shit it's, you know sorry to use the mm -hmm. word but uh inhabiting him and then he meets christ who throws that all out of him into the swine and Firstly, cleanses him of this need to hurt himself in response to the the accusations, the demonic accusations that he should be stoned because he's guilty, because he's done this and he's done that. Da, 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 da. So the Lord removes that from the demoniac. Says, don't hurt yourself anymore. The legion goes into the pigs 
and then the pigs are revealing what the collective would be doing if it didn't have the demoniac yes, exactly which is throwing itself off the cliff because that's what happens in a mimetic situation when everyone enters herd mentality so essentially Wow, this is super dark. <laughs> you see, you see why I had this They're moment like, when I walk in and I'm going, "Oh my yeah, gosh, it's yeah, all yeah. in this story." Yeah, because if they don't have this demoniac scapegoat, they want to hurt themselves far out. That's quite interesting. So the collective is addicted to the drug of the scapegoat. Yep. So I did. I called it. It is junky. It's behavior. totally junky behavior. We got the the, the caterpillar here, <laughs> showing Alice. <laughs> it's totally junky behavior. All no. of it. And it's like what we've been working on, Draco Chemicus, the whole time to try to unpack this. We keep seeing the pattern. And yeah. I mean, the way you're describing the 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 addicts who are living on the streets. I mean, you could explain why that you know San Francisco has simply opened its gates to people living on the streets and, and doing drugs. I mean, there's something, there's, it, it, I mean, it, it's a perfect reflection of, of the West's, we say, oh, the West is falling, we've let it fall, the barbarians are here, ah, no, they're us, right? You, you, you guys, mm, you don't yeah. get out without us saying it's us, it's us. I'm gonna say it again, it's us. And that, you know, that constant wishing, it's like, oh, if we could only put our sins off onto somebody else, if we only we could, well, <laughs> if only we could blame somebody else, but our our cities are reflecting our, our, our souls perfectly right now. Yes. Yeah, they are. And say so little I'm girls thinking. being given, you know, who could smoking, Caterpillars or pharmacia. Well, we're being drugged for a long oh, time. Yeah. You know, Ooh. it's not just the trans, it's not just the, the transgenderism that people are acknowledging exists now, but we've been trans for a long time. You want to know what pharmacos means? <laughs> you know, I love a good Greek lesson. What no one ever recognizes <laughs> is that Oedipus could not be both incestuous son and parasite and at the same time pharmacos. It's the scapegoat. I do blow my, you know. Pharmakia, pharmacos, it comes from the, it's it, the pharmacos. When we speak of pharmacos, we mean an innocent victim in the contaminated Judaic and Christian, Christian sense. In the sense that we now think of pharmacos now as the medicine, it's exactly what our story is about. Alchemicus, the medicine and the and the poison that pharmacos is the um it's it's the scapegoat effect it, it it's yeah. always been there yeah yeah so junkies become the scapegoat even as they scapegoat their trauma into the drug it's just kind of a chain of scapegoating behavior, right. the pharmacos, because everybody needs to have one. Everyone needs a pharmacos. It's all it's all constantly throwing. It's it's throwing it on the drug, which is then the addiction, which is then. So the um, one of the substacks I follow is the um, Midwestern doctor, and he's reposted today, uh, re yeah today um a a um 
article that he did last year because it keeps becoming topical because we keep having to do this to keep society functioning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd say that we have no mythology. We have sacrifices constantly. We have these human sacrifices. We call them abortion and we call them mass shootings. The decades of evidence that antidepressants cause mass shootings. Mm. As we have seen in the subtitle, as we have seen with the vaccines, almost no social cost can keep a lucrative pharmaceutical off the market. And he he goes back, he, he's talking about a book that um, details some of the um, side effects, one of which in these um, antidepressants is akathisia, just feeling like bugs are crawling all over your skin. Uh, restlessness defined as a psychomotor disorder where it's extremely difficult to stay still. Um, people talk about not feeling like myself or I'm afraid of some of the unusual impulses I have. And then he gives a list of homicides that people have been, um, have committed while on or withdrawing from SSRIs. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene was actually talking about this last summer. <laughs> it was a, a feature and one of the things trying to point out that the, 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 the um, mass shooters that we have are, are typically on medication. Mm. Medication. <laughs> they're being fed. They're, they're being fed demons somehow. I mean, but mm. this is male, 18 years, Prozac. Sister was comatose after a car crash. Violent akathisia for 14 days. Killed his father four days after he ran out of pills. Male, 35 years, Paxil. Distressed by on and off relationship with mother of his child. Stabbed former partner 30 plus times to death after 11 weeks of akathisia. Mm. Shall I keep going or have I made my point? <laughs> I really need... Zay's comic of what Christ sees in the garden. The full horror of civilization. Yep. It's an it's an interesting thing. If something's in pill form, it's so trivial. It's so trivialized. Mm. You know? It's just a pill. <laughs> it's 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 like a little the, candy, right? Yeah, that 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 you're just taking them like Tic Tacs. It's not like other things, you know, in the old days when you, there was a kind of, <laughs> there's a process. You, you actually were involved in the alchemy, mm. the production of the drug, because you had to process it somehow before you were going to take it. Now it's just a little tic-tac, and then it's as simple as that, which kind of hides the, you know, talk about masks, hides the the fullness of what is actually happening at the time. Which is horror. Yeah, it just goes. To, to... So that's what I meant. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. but that—that's what—that's what I meant by people not being loved properly. Right. And when I mean accepted, I don't mean accepted like yeah, we're going to accept you for who you are. If I was talking to a hardcore heroin addict, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I accept you having this addiction to heroin. 
but trying to understand what puts someone in a position to be where they are at the same, you know, at that particular moment, like Christ talking to that demoniac in the tombs, how did he end up there? The Lord saw, he knew, he understood why. And so if taking the Gerardian reading of this mechanism, you know, further, like the Lord saw what he was to the community. He had compassion on him. He took him out of that right. role. You don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to stone yourself anymore. And here, the million uh, colliding accusations in your own psyche, or the you know, because it's very similar to the bugs crawling all over your mm -hmm. skin, isn't it? Something you can't switch off. I don't know. I have I have compassion for drug addicts. At the same time, under full a full and realistic understanding of what they're capable of. So it's not to say, oh, you know, pull them and let's baby them. You know, which I know a lot of leftists are accused of. Right. You know, oh, you're infantilizing everyone and taking away their personal accountability. That's not what I'm saying at all. But looking at someone with that kind of addiction up close without pretending you're better than them is tough. It's really hard because they do really, really horrendously messed up things when they're in, they're out of their right. minds. Demoniac, people possessed by demons are scary and they do terrifying things and they do traumatic things to other mm -hmm. people. Oh yeah, the list of things in this, this article that the Midwestern doctor posted is just, it's, it's like, yeah. wow and you don't get you know you don't get it's it's interesting that that doesn't get in the collective consciousness it's like you, you get these <laughs> occasional events of, of of public shootings but these i mean that the list of people that have murdered their own family members mm. was quite wrenching um and uh, you know that obviously a lot of the shootings that happen in, in chicago they're gang related but those gangs are driven by drug trade yeah. Which everybody knows. Yeah. And then, of course, everyone can say, oh, well, they're just disgusting human beings and that, you know, they've decided to do it. So who cares? Let them shoot right. each other, their dogs, whatever. How many times have you taken coke at a party? Like everyone knows I was out about it. I, was, I, I don't think I've ever been in the closet about this. You know, like I was a raver. I participated in this industry. Well, the reality is we've all participated chain. in this here. I'm going to have another glass of water. Yeah. Uh, but it's the nice drugs that people take that you see advertised on television. You're part of it too. Well, that's the thing. As ravers, we know we're participating in black market mm. exchange. I think the issue is that when the when when it becomes a laboratory experience and suddenly it's sanitized, that whitewashing, you know, the whitewash tomb. Yeah, it's all right. There's the myth. It's RX. It's, it's RX. It's, it's all right. It's, it's, it's clean. Pill. It's all right. It's, it's you know, it's yeah. that ritual we do to commemorate the god giving us civilization. The myth is still yeah. with us. And that's, I mean, that's Gerard's great, you know, realization is saying we, we don't get away from religion, right? Religion isn't the, 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 the cute stuff that you keep in the closet of, of culture and say, oh, we outgrew all of that. It's, it's mm -hmm. the dark 
it's it's the reality of the way we create societies, which is interesting. I mean, and his problem, his psychological problem, is that we do this to each other because we're constantly um, coveting what the other desires. So he does a good job on the Tenth Commandment saying, do not covet your neighbor's anything, because in fact, mm -hmm. that's what drives all of this. It, it, it drives the need for, for ritual and sacrifice, ultimately, because people get caught up in these, these envious spirals. It's like saying, we, mm -hmm. we have a picture of a ship here, which cannabis protect, protects you. And I think there's a, there's a lot of layers. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of layers here, because I know you have some thoughts on cannabis, and we have some thoughts on ships, and we have some thoughts on culture and civilization. It's like, which word, where are we going to go now? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk about drugs and drug policy. So, of course, I had to talk about this. Because I'm unapologetically in favor of full decriminalization and legalization of cannabis with absolutely no regulation whatsoever, which would sound really irresponsible until you understand that um, most cultures don't have these problems in uh, most most cultures don't have the problems with the cannabis abuse that. Uh, we seem to be manifesting mm. now. And um, I don't want to scapegoat people anymore. I don't want to scapegoat nonviolent drug offenders anymore. I think it's a heinous crime against people to give them a criminal record for using something that needs no processing and needs no supply chain. I'm not talking about pills. I'm not talking about powders. I'm just talking about a plant that grows anywhere, can grow anywhere, almost all over the face of planet earth. So to me, it seems as simple as treating it the same way that we treat dandelions or any other kind of things that grow freely and approaching people's overuse of this thing as a medical problem or a, not medical in the sense of RX, but probably reframe this a little better <laughs> as a Wait, spiritual it's, it's, problem. It's like, I, I think our, our, our own metaphor of ship is useful because we have no stable ground, it feels like. Because we're always floating around. No. And, oh, no, we can't land there. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was like, the, the the poverty of the language that we've been using for so long. We have long. nothing but pirate speak um, left. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose my my position on this is that I grew up in the era where you know it was the panic over the gateway drug, and uh, they weren't kidding. But that's because the only dispensaries that were available were black market and they were the same places that you would go to go and get speed and heroin and pills mm. and it was it was like you society's been pushed into a mode of deciding that particular substances are legal and acceptable and others are unacceptable and illegal and created this left right mechanism and the rivalry around mm -hmm. that of uh well they want to get high in a socially unacceptable way. So now they have to go out into the tombs. Go get stoned out in the tombs. You can't stay in here right. with us. Okay. So I 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of, I'm, I'm getting to the cannabis protects your thing. I first saw that sign when I was in Bologna, walking along the streets, just randomly enjoying my, my walk through the city. Um, and of course I was really surprised. So I thought, what's that on the, what's that on the ground? You've got to be kidding me. Did someone put that there is a joke? So I asked around and I started to look it up and, um, there, there are all of these mosaics there because the the streets of Bologna, the beautiful old walkways that they constructed, were also outdoor markets. Mm. So you know because you know it's the medieval city, so you know about Bologna. But they had all these beautiful outdoor markets. So they had the signs in mosaic on the pavement, saying you know what was sold in each place. And then I saw this little one that said cannabis protector. So I looked it up. And that same thing is written in a few places all over Bologna. So apparently it was a big part of the Bologna trade. They traded hemp products. The majority of the hemp trading wasn't for um, pharmacological use. It was for uh, industrial textile mm. products, for shipping, ship sales, rope, oils, and that kind of thing. So this is something that the left picked up. And they ran with it because conservatives are really reluctant to talk about this as a as a just as a point of of history and a point of technology and a point of anything. But the Italians were trading it. They were trading it in Bologna. They described it as protective. It wasn't uh, described. It wasn't demonized. It it wasn't. Uh, a prohibited substance that you know was was given this uh demonic um attribute mm. to it and then i started to think about it oh okay oh hold on a second a civilization that made these beautiful buildings that had this amazing culture you know i just didn't want to leave bologna i love it um they were trading this on the streets and then i thought about it what were we doing in contrast to this I mean, Western civilization for in the new world had like a good 50 years where people were getting incarcerated for playing with a plant that could potentially create, uh, you know, completely new industries, mm -hmm. you know, completely new, new textiles. I mean, like even paint can be made from it. So, it, it just didn't, it didn't gel with me at all. So I always have arguments with people about it because I think this is something that has been put into the category of pharmacos when it doesn't belong there. It's potentially... Uh, well, pharmacos is uh, always it's both, a, it's a, right? It's all, it, it, that's, mm. that's, that's our twinning problem in Dracol Chemicus mm. as well. Yes, yes. Like medicine and poison. Well, true. The dose makes the poison, uh, as the saying goes. But I have the, I'm just, I'm meditating on the demonization of the people that are using these things. And our culture has gone into this one or the other, you know, the polarization thing that's happened, where it's either everyone has to be locked in prison for using these things or everything has to be fully legalized with absolutely no discussion on the spiritual impact of what this does to a community. 
So you were either in Reagan era, just say, no, everything's illegal and you're all going mm. to jail. You know, you have three strikes and that's it. You can never work again because you've got a, you've got a record for the rest of your life. Or we're in San Francisco and we have a tent city on the street because there are so many drug addicts that are, yeah. But recognizing that one way or the other, function. you make a dysfunctional society, and yes. and that yes. you know, go to yes. the uh, the puppy here. Um, that what the, I mean, the, what the demoniac story shows is that society somehow needs the the addicts either in prison or on the street. It, the, 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 well, either way, they're either in prison. way they're in prison and undead because they're they're, they're not they're, addicts. they're they're no they're living in the tombs. They're no longer part of the community and the, and what, what I think what I learned in this meditation and watching the way people behave this week and talking about what happened in the school is how much, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, cause it's politically true, but everybody needs it, right? That they, that all sides need these events to animate themselves and, and, mm -hmm. and be, you know, socially active and therefore they do feed mm -hmm. off of them. We've talked about that already. Um, but the, the demoniac story shows how, I mean, what is the effect of the effect on the people that they're feeding off of and, um, I mean, what it's Gerard just, is trying to figure out is there, is there a way out? And of course, as you describe very beautifully, the problem is the Legion and the pigs are the town itself. The town mm. creates this dynamic. And what Gerard keeps, you know, mulling over is like, golly, Ken, is there a way out? <sighs> yeah. Are we just, we're always going to end up in these spirals of rivalry and scapegoating. And it always, sc it scales up and down, right? It's like mm -hmm. your own little friend community will splinter over this kind of thing. We watch it play out constantly in the social media yes. world, right? Yes. Where, you know, pairs of, I'd, I'd say the internet even, you know, enjoys making it happen. We're going to have, let's have a debate. No. <laughs> Not going no to debate you. Sorry. <laughs> Not going to play that particular game. But it's, it's the, it's like we don't, I mean, it's sort of interesting it's very satisfying. You could say it's very satisfying. Like war is like all of this stuff, all of the, the, um, we want the gladiatorial we combat. Want the glad we want to always. be able to sit in the stadium, watch the gladiators bleed. Yep. Yeah. We'll have the bleeding poppy yeah. now. But we yeah. want yeah, that Rome. And this is like my meditation on, you know, Cleopatra. And then an another thought that I had for, you know, potential theme this week was, uh, another substack, the contemplations on the tree of woe, was contemplating woefully um, what fall of civilization looks like. Here's a thought for you. Mm -hmm. So he was looking at ooh ships, um, our hip our hip imagery there because they were making ship ropes among other things with the hemp, right? Uh, in mm -hmm. the the period for let's see, he has a graph and it goes choop choop right. That is like big mountain peak, right? And the top of the graph, the top the peak of the graph is numbers of shipwreck uh, discovered in ar archeologically for the period around the birth of Christ, right? The peak of the empire, mm. the Augustan, Pax Romana has 
more shipwrecks than any, and it sort of goes up to that peak and then steps it's all the way down to, you get to the Middle Ages and you're just basically flatlined until the 15th century, at which point the graph stops. So <laughs> whatever they were doing in, in Bologna with the hemp and making ships for the Mediterranean shipping didn't, didn't bring it back up to the mm. imperial level, at least in terms of volume of recovered ships. Now, footnote archaeologically you could say well maybe you know they were, they were having more wrecks because they didn't have good navigation and so they drowned more people and therefore it's not really a good sample of something or other but what um contemplations on the tree of woe was using it for was saying this is what the fall of civilization looks like no more commerce it vanishes right yeah. and he, he yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's elegant xander mccrease's is substack but um what you know he's doing that to say look we could fall, right? The civilization could just crash completely and you have no more, you know, physical comforts. You have actually, you know, on the opposite side, you don't have like giant surveillance state anymore because nobody's, like, nothing's going to function. <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's going to be over. Because you don't have a state. You don't have a state. Alone a surveillance state. <laughs> All the tech's not going to work if we don't have the gladiatorial games. But to consider that, you know, that peak of the empire was this peak of, amazing cruelty and scapegoating i mean it's like they are yeah. a slave world we know that um they are you know christ is crucified because that's what they did to the the ones that they wanted to like make an example of don't be a thief don't be a uh you know a, a, a rebel don't be a you know, and you're going to be humiliated stripped naked and stuck on a cross and there's um actually i'm also reading say nunafraga's uh, he illustrated a book on Marcus Aurelius, which is very, very powerfully done. And there's a crucifixion scene that he put in there. It's like, you know, slaves are being crucified. It's not a pretty death. That's the entire point of it. And that was the peak of the empire. All of this mm. mimetic sac, you know, rivalry issued into ritual sacrifice one way or another, either executions or war. Zay's book with Marcus Aurelius has a lot of very powerful military scenes and you know Marcus Aurelius the famous you know stoic good good emperor right that a good part of his reign is dealing with border war and pacification mm. of you know the the east the eastern empire and so forth this is this is your empire this is your empire this is our empire this is the american empire this is the blood sacrifice that empires make yeah. And it was the poppy stuff that started me on all this spice meditation last summer because mm. of, was it last summer, two summers ago, our withdrawal from Afghanistan and the poppy fields. Yeah. 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 Thinking about the loss of the, I remember too, when you were like, it's the spice. It's the spice. I figured it out. <laughs> What drives yeah, the they're... empire? Oh, right. Frank Herbert really knew what he was talking about. It's the spice. Yeah. What spice? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And in the, in their world, it's in the in Dune, it's the, the spice they need for navigation. Appropriately enough, right? There are ships that are sailing yes. through the, the cosmos. But in our, you know, it's they're obviously tankers. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we've got one that comes from a plant and others that may come from rocks. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, 
The empire needs sacrifices. The empire needs sacrifices. And we've got a different kind of empire. Um, at the moment, not as... forthright with its crucifixions but the thing is what gerard would say is nobody ever is mm. right you i mean i the thing is i think i think this is is probably true of the romans in their day and sometimes uh this is dramatized well in our theater um showing that the the, the people having you know the people walking past all those crucified slaves on the appian way didn't have compassion for them are you kidding they saw them as, as, as dangerous rebels. Of course they should be executed. The slaves, you don't, you, you can't let your slaves behave that way. String them up. You got people that tried to, you know, overthrow your government, stick them in prison. What do they do? Oh, it doesn't matter. They're not innocent. And the cry for that kind of execution is relentless to this day. I mean, we, we're seeing it on the social media, right? So-and-so yes. should be shot. Just take all those, you know, take all those Christians and shoot them. Wait, are we in the Roman empire or what? <laughs> Got guns, but you know, it's, it's the, the, the I mean, this, the, the sorrow of all of this is we're no different. Right. Civilization mm -hmm. is as it has always been, maybe. And, and, you know, sort of we have great tech right now. The Romans had pretty cool tech. They had glass blowing. Did I tell you that? I think we're in the glass empire. We have been in the glass empire yeah. since, you know, in Syria, Palestine, around the birth of Christ, they discover blown glass. We're in it still. That story, the glass story. <laughs> Speaking to you on, you know, glass cables right now in glass in light it, it's like that we are still part of that imperial network yep yeah it never ended it never ended so same shipping same shipping yeah You want to know what happened to the demoniac? Yes. <laughs> oh, I do. So this is the book. I'm showing it on screen now. It's the gaze of Jesus, which matters. So the first thing that happens to the demoniac is Jesus says, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so random. It's <laughs> leave. Like a bunch of pigs just ran off a cliff and he's like, bye. <laughs> well, and so I, in, in Gerard's reading, it's point, you know, the point is the people say, go away, right? We don't want you here, you know, leave. Um, and, and I have a Tolkien thing in there. It's, it's when the, in Elfland, when the, the Smith of Wooten Major ends up disturbing something in the, in the forest and, the birch tree protects him, but then he says, get out. You don't belong here. And there's, there's very much this feeling of, you know, Jesus, you don't belong here. You just healed this person. We don't care. We didn't want him healed. Hmm. And whose were those pigs anyway? Eloise asks Abelard. It's like, they're, they're not supposed to be eating pork. Whose pigs are they? <laughs> Small detail. And Abelard says, oh, they're the Romans pigs. So it's like, oh, all right. Um, oh, that, uh, yeah. 
Sure they were. Pigs go over the cliff, and 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 Jesus, and but in 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 um um Bacchelli's Bacchelli, how do you say this? B a c c h e l l i, Bacchelli. But could you hold it up? I need to see it, otherwise I won't. Bacchelli. Okay. Bacchelli. Yeah, Bacardo. He he apparently was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature several times. It's a very great Italian. Um, author and and Tony Eastland does translations. He did Dante, and so this translation is very beautiful to read, as well. Nice. I, I was happy to do the blurb for it. Ignatius Press, so Jesuits, right? Um, uh, so, it, but in this, he's he that that Jesus said it opens with Jesus saying, um, "Go back home to your people and tell them about this great thing that the Lord God has done for you, how He has had mercy on you." And when he had said so, the man took his leave, walking along the beach towards the boat at anchor by the lake called the Sea of Galilee. He didn't wait for a reply to his dismissal or allow for a single word or a sign of good wishes or farewell. I mean, taking the narration in the gospel completely straight, right? Take me with you, Ithamar had begged him. Let me be with you. It was no use. So it's like Jesus just leaves. He says, go away now and tell everybody what I did for you. And in this, in this, the way Michelli imagines it, I can say it right, is the demoniac's like, wait a minute, what do I do now? Let me come with you. I, you know, and, and he, and he says, you know, please take me with you. I want, let me be with you. It's like, Jesus has just healed you. And he doesn't say, follow me. Right. He says, go home. <laughs> go away. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, let me see if I can put, it's kind of funny, put, actually. put myself in like... this horrid situation where, you know, the, the man who has healed you of your, of your madness, your, your demonic possession, the legions have gone out of you. You want most of the whole world to fling yourself at his feet and say, take me with you. And he says, no, or he doesn't even say no, he just leaves. <laughs> Talk about cutting off your supply. <gasps> That's really cute. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, we're laughing at it because it's letting so the, unfortunately letting the, letting the painful. Dopamine circuits rest a bit. <laughs> anyway, he goes home and he's been crazy in the tombs for so long or, you know, been pest obsessed in the tombs for so long. His family's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> we gave your house away already. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you want the gospel stories to be all sweet and nice and it's like you realize Jesus just walked off and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't allow him so this this does not endear Ithamar to G I mean G so he spends a lot in mean, the rest of the story fat story right hunting Jesus down basically <laughs> one way or the other and say look at me Right, this is why it's called the gaze of Jesus. It's, it's, you can tell you can tell it by how giddy we are by now, right? How stressful this particular episode has been. That yeah, that Ithamar keeps he keeps saying, and then and then he 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 comes across someone else that Jesus has healed, Massima, right? This guy in in the Matthew version of the the demoniac, the healing. There have been two demoniacs in this in together, right? And they and Jesus heals both of them, and they're both like, what now? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> like, you know, it's, a, it's like you're explaining to a potential employer, like your CV, your curriculum vitae. So what would you have to between these X year and this other year? 
oh, I spent like 10 years in the tombs cutting myself, but that's all behind me now. <laughs> so you see the problem. I met this rabbi. He made me sober, then he walked off. It was weird. <laughs> But I, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's wrenching to me because recognizing it's like, don't, it's like, what? So we we previously talked about Mary Magdalene, right? Mary Magdalene gets to wash his hair with his, his feet with her hair and weep on him and bring ointments yeah. to his tomb and recognize him as rabbi. And this demoniac is like told to go yeah. home. <laughs> that, you know, I had an interesting <laughs> thought there. <laughs> it's like Christ is trolling him and his family. Like, you know, these, these are the black sheep of the family. So he, he probably, I mean, you can't, it can't get much worse than living in the tombs being possessed by legion. So I guess he's definitely the black sheep. <laughs> it's like, Jesus is like, go home. Almost like you're going to go and <clears throat> you'll cease, he'll cease being the scapegoat for his family's problems. <laughs> So it's like rolling him back into the community is like, right, now you're all going to deal with yourselves. Yes. Right. That's cute. And, but, but I mean, you can see it's, it's, it's the, you know, the, 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 the flip side for the addicts that we were talking about. It's like, don't just take, you know, here you're cured. Go on, you know, there you go. Toddle off. Right. Although this is what yes. Jesus does here. Um, and so it's, so he ends up in Herod's court. There's a lot of, there's, you know, like there's a lot of interesting you know, portraiture um, that Bocelli gives you of, of what these people are like. And Herod, I, I couldn't, I couldn't in, in the Herod's court part, couldn't help but, you know, see the character in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> kind of the, the, um, the, the Herod that in, in fact, again, Gerard goes back to a lot with what Herod's like in the, in the John the Baptist story, right? The, the same Herod that has mm. John the Baptist executed and, um, you know, the, the, hippie guy and the jesus christ superstar is the you know impress me walk on water if you can you know walk across <laughs> my swimming pool and, and such um so be, because ithamar is he and he catch and it, it's it's a little bit like um what becomes the the trope in some of the mid 20th century movies like uh the robe or ben-hur mm -hmm. that jesus sort of floats through the story every so often and and you can catch a glimpse of him from a distance and ithamar is constantly you know wanting jesus to look at him we we know this celebrity feeling from the internet, right? Pay attention to me. Mm. <laughs> Here I've commented on your post. Yeah. Look at me, the gaze of Jesus, right? That's why this book is called The Gaze mm. of Jesus because it's what is it going to be? Will he look at me? And and there are, I I think I I failed to mark this, but the you know the longing that Ithamar has is just love me. Look at me. Oh. Love me. Casey's made arms for the ex-leper. Well, I'm going to spoil the, the ending for you. It ends with the passion. Um, and so Ithamar is there in town and he, he's, he's first, he's meditating on how um, he's, he's kind of stopped going to the rituals because he's, he's become dissociated from his previous observance um, and, and he's kind of dis dissociated from, therefore, all the pilgrims that are in town for Passover and they're therefore witnessing Jesus's trial. Mm -hmm. um, first, he runs into Judas. And um, he reflects on his sacrifice. To Judas Iscariot, he reflected, was a sacrifice to the man of the demon, 
the hero and the victim of the blackest and most dreadful defeat. I should say uh, Bacelli died in 18, uh, 1985, right? So I don't know whether he read Gerard. Um, uh, the, the demon, the hero, the victim of the blackest and most dreadful defeat, the vanquished among the vanquished, the slave of slaves, the most unjust and wicked and misbegotten of all who ever were and all who would ever be. This is Judas. As by the heave of a queasy stomach, Ithamar's pity turned and cast itself all towards the unutterable disgrace of that infamous base and yet in his way summit attaining sinner the worst of all reprobates the most despairing of all who despair and this pity of ithamar's was horrible and foul it lashed out against his beaten weary and strengthless soul threw its weight against it and cast it exhausted to the ground jesus uh, judas responds to him like go and spend your pity well okay so then um, Ithamar, he, he goes, he's basically observing the different scenes of the Passion. He goes to Herod's house. Mm -hmm. He goes, he sees Jesus for Pilate. He witnesses the crowd saying, let him die, let him die. Pilate saying, shall you crucify your king? Caesar is our king, the priest replied. To have him dead, whom they hated, they denied the scriptures in Israel. The crowd swelled to such a fury that they seemed ready to attack the tribunal and leave it in ruins. With a gesture irritated and weary, the magistrate abandoned to them both the man and justice. And Ithamar thought, so it is all brought to completion. And he wanted someone to blame. He wanted to blame someone on this earth and to be indignant with someone, mm -hmm. but he didn't know with whom. If not with himself, first of all, for wasting himself on tired, muddled thoughts of misplaced anger and feeble pity, as vain as dust in the wind. And it seemed that he had come to take part in the passion of the Son of Man by that same ineffectual and craven tickling of curiosity, of diversion, that had clearly enticed most of those who were gathered with him there, through the three trials, the scourging, and the condemnation, and now to Calvary as they tagged along after Christ with his cross, as every crucifixion summons people to the horrendous spectacle. And many discovered there for the first time a latent delight, foul and unspeakable and cruel things, while for others it had long been a passion and they were already enjoying it, showing off as experts in what to see and what to make of it. The sad fact of it was that everything, that same iniquity of hatred and fury above all, gave way to what was dull and base, the way-worn and tattered regularity of habit. Pontius's Pilate's soldiers had executed the sentence, while Ithamar, impeded by the crowd, but more by his weariness and the discouragement that drained him body and soul, followed from afar the ascent of Jesus up to Calvary with a cross on his shoulders. So we have the, the, the crucifixion, and then we see that he's looking at the thieves and the other demoniac is pressing up against him in the crowd too jesus is dying but and then came the groan of death when he gave up the spirit and the darkness fell and the earth shook and the graves gave back the bodies and the specters of their dead and the veil of temple was torn in two. But he, Ithamar, who had once been possessed by demons on the shores of Gerasa, as he felt the light failing from his eyes and the earth from beneath his feet, 
from the darkness that had fallen on the earth and the quake that shook it, paid no more mind to Masma or to the fierce vow of his companion of old. That's the, they're the twin demoniacs, right? So he's played him mm. up. Um, in that darkness, in that shaking, in that supreme cry, he became conscious of dying with Jesus and nothing else. He said that he felt a boundless relief in putting away for the first time from his soul that gloomy and all too faithful companion of his sadness, that secret thought born of despair, that it would be better not to have been healed if his consciousness had been restored so that he might know he was lost and reprobate and dead in spirit. I won't tell you what actually, absolutely, finally happens. But maybe you can guess. You see why I, I thought it was a really powerful book, right? Because it set mm -hmm. us in this meditation on exactly who we are in mm. wanting Jesus to look on us. And this scene I'm showing now is Tiso's vision of what Christ saw from the cross. Mm -hmm. Always us. Oh. And that uh, imagining Ithamar, I mean, it's like this often happens uh, the, in the robe, the centurion, the centurion sees Jesus and recognizes him as God. The, like, what does Jesus see from the cross when he is dying and surrounded by this crowd that is the crowd, always the crowd? He saw civilization without the mask. Mm. Yeah. I'm quiet, but I'm thinking about how lonely that would be. I'm like the only sober person in the entire world of raving demoniac junkies. Just to various degrees of functioning, manifestation of their demoniac like um, problems. But we're all the same. I forgot to change the thing. Now we're showing the right scene. <laughs> what is it? I, I, but when you were talking, we were talking just now, we were actually showing the cover of the book with the, the, the demoniac on it. So now we have Tiso. Uh, I blew it. My, my tech is, <laughs> my liturgical tech is not perfect. Too thoughtful. Into the tombs with you. No. That's it. I don't, well, no, I don't think so because it's the, not that. Every one of us who's been in this social media world for a while and has had our reputations trashed over and over and over again. And I, I you know, over the last several years, spent a lot of time thinking on this. Right? Each Easter, you come to the mob going after you. Mm. And then Jesus, the one sacrifice, the one scapegoat who is truly, absolutely innocent. None of the rest of us are. I mean, the children, the children are, we know that the, the, the demons want the children because they are so innocent, but the, 
Any of us who are sitting here listening to ourselves have this conversation, know what we are. Addicts all. Sin, sin, no, we can't talk about sin because sin, it's like, they, you know, that's just what Christians say. That's just make you feel bad. No, we're addicts. And and the, what I like about the gaze of Jesus, the book, what I'm thinking about it, it's like wanting him to look at you, wanting to be affirmed, wanting to be lifted up, wanting to be given platform because Christ looked on you. Well, he got the platform. I'm going to do nothing but make myself cry tonight. That's probably appropriate. <laughs> Here in Passion Week or Passion Sunday, and then it's Passion Week next week. I've got, I'm not Catholic enough to know why we have Passion Sunday before Passion Week, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. All of the, all of so, the images in, in, in Mass were draped on Sunday, right? They're all covered now. Hmm. And we are in that constantly having to remember that this is what Jesus saw when he looked down on us. And forgave us for not understanding, not knowing, not, not, not knowing, being so much in the crowd, like a crowd of pigs flying over the cliff that we didn't mm -hmm. understand what we'd done. It's like sobering up after you've been on a bender. And yeah, I, I mean, the it's, it's the rave. It's what you do at the rave. People don't know because the whole thing is just a rave. There's no outside view of it. You can't see what it is from inside it. Christ saw what it was. This is the demoniac again. This is what he sees. He sees all of us mm -hmm. taken by the crowd, by belonging to the crowd, mm -hmm. by being in the crowd, by being legion. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, it's like, I'll go back to Christ, what he sees of us. Um, you know, I, so Casey is saying the platform for Christian who follows his Lord is for execution. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, we just, you, in the Middle Ages, what people did was they meditated constantly on the imitation of Christ. And this moment of compassionating Christ at his crucifixion, and I wrote big book my first book about it it's like what mary does when she sees him crucified and you're looking on him mm. and trying to say i will be there with you i let me die with you let me go through this too and um you know coming back around to that they're right right this is the meditation we need to have because other uh, you mm. know there's no other meditation that takes us through this cleansing the baptism into his death that mm. is not recapitulating the mimetic rivalries that just wind the scapegoats back up and have us back at the, in the gladiatorial games watching other people die mm. 
Yeah, the the Colosseum is the default setting for all of us. It's not the exception. It is the default setting. It's funny how how quickly you get used to it too. Yeah, that that that's quite a meditation in itself. Like the literal Colosseum, you get used to it. <laughs> First time you see it, it's amazing, and then if you spend enough time in the area, it becomes normal. Oh yeah. Until. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to the Colosseum. You know, it's, it's a very strange thing to kind of experience. But that's like our scapegoat mechanism. Our own savagery. We're used to it very quickly. It's our default setting. Yep. Hmm. So I think we're now in the story, eh? We are well and truly in the story, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's Palm Sunday coming up. Hosanna. And then next Wednesday we will meet in the meditation on the night before the night. Mm-hmm. Can show you Zay's next set. You can we can show you Zay's John Henry Newman meditation for that one. Also, sounds good. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.